My message this morning comes from the book of Psalm. Psalm 1, I'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessings upon the message this morning. Father, uh, you know that many of our people are watching through technology. Uh, Father, we are not together physically, but uh, Lord, I thank you that we can be together in heart and in spirit. Lord, as we open up the Word of God, I pray that you'd help me to be a faithful pastor in bringing the Word of God to feed the flock. We pray for any listener that perhaps doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We pray that you'd speak to their heart and, Lord, draw them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We pray that you'd bless this time that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach on the subject, stable prosperity. Stability is a lost virtue in today's culture. I I read a little funny, a business funny here years ago about a bunch of disgruntled employees that went to the owner of the company and they started going through their laundry list of of gripes and complaints. And uh, when all of their complaints were over, the head spokesman basically said, "We're, we're tired of all this uncertainty. Well, the owner of the company listened without interrupting, without being defensive, listened to all of the complaints. And when it was all said and done, he said, are you finished? And uh, he said, yep, that's what we wanted to say to you. And so the owner of the company said, well, here's what I'm going to do in response to all of your complaints. He said, "Uh, I'm going to lay off half of you and replace you with better employees. And then uh, another fourth, I'm going to replace you with automated machinery. And then um, the other fourth, I'm going to hire out subcontractors. And basically, uh, every one of the complainers realized they were going to be without a job. After he got done uh, responding to all of the complaints, the head spokesman said, um, Sir, is there any way we can get back to uncertainty? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's kind of the way that things are today. Uh, things are very uncertain. But we don't know how things are going to end up. They may get even worse and worse. And we may look back to this day, this time in our life, and say, wow, that was the good old days. Bottom line is we really don't know. Stability, however, is something that is inside of us and shouldn't be determined by our circumstances. Stability, as I've already said, is a lost virtue in today's culture. It seems like everyone's looking for bigger, better, and more efficient. Stability is considered boring. Now, don't confuse stability with laziness or apathy. Nothing wrong with having some ambition. Nothing wrong with setting some goals and so forth. But 
the bottom line is uh, the race is run by the patient, by the stable, not by the flash in the pan. You see, folks, instability is stigmatized in Scripture. It's viewed at as something that's disgraceful. Four times we see the word unstable, and I'm going to show you those four instances. First of all, Genesis 49 and verse number 3 through 4. Jacob is giving prophecy about his sons, and he says this, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength and the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Reuben had all kinds of talents and ability and leadership, but Jacob says in verse number four, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. You see, stability is required for success. Stability is required for prosperity. In James chapter 1, verse number 8, the second time we find the word unstable in the Scripture, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What's a double-minded man? It's a man who says one thing and does another. It's a man who says, God, I trust you, but then lives according to uh, his own wisdom and his own thought process. And uh, the Bible says in James that if you're going to ask something of God, you've got to ask it in faith. A lot of people are double-minded. They ask God for an answer, and when they don't get the answer that they want, they go ahead and do what they uh, planned on doing to begin with. The Bible says that that is an unstable man. And then we find the third instance where the Apostle Peter is describing those who uh, are Christians but are walking after the flesh. He says in 2 Peter 2.14, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Certainly stigmatized in the scripture. And then the fourth time that unstable appears in the Bible is Peter once again describing those who accused the Apostle Paul of teaching that eternal security gives us a license to sin. Peter refers to them in 2 Peter 3.16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. They pull it out of context as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So obviously, folks, being unstable is considered a stigma in the scriptures. It's not something that you and I want to be involved in. And so out of our text in Psalm 1, I want to give you three simple things regarding stable prosperity in our lives. First of all, we find number one, that stable prosperity comes from refusing to be influenced by the wrong voices. Once again, verse number 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. There's a blessing of God upon those that refuse to be influenced. You know, that's a negative uh, passage of scripture. It's saying what we're not to do. We're not to listen to the wrong voices. Notice here it says the counsel 
of the ungodly. And there is a digression that appears in verse number 1. First of all, there's a digression in the man that is reading Psalm 1-1. It starts out by walking, and then from walking, he's standing, and then from standing, he's sitting. He goes to the wrong place at the wrong time, and then he hangs out a little bit too long, and the next thing you know, he is sitting there and participating in everything that they are. And then you have a digression of those that are influencing. You have the ungodly. The ungodly is just simply someone that doesn't have God in the center of his life. It may be a good moral person. It may be a good neighbor. But it's someone that just doesn't live their life uh, with God at the center. And then the digression is, when we live our life without God in the center of our life, the next thing we find ourselves doing is sinning. So it goes from the ungodly to the sinners. And then, as people continue to sin without repentance, they ultimately become the scorners, people who reject and and have just a, just a vile attitude of disregard and disrespect toward the holiness of God. Now, the Bible here says that the counsel of the ungodly, the voices that we hear in this world, I'm not talking about audible voices. Everybody listens to someone or something. The counsel of the ungodly shows up in many forms. It may show up in the form of friends and family. It may show up in the form of the education system. It may show up in media and entertainment. But it can also show up in our own heart and our own thoughts. There is a counsel of the ungodly that lives inside of every one of our hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then the last uh, area that the counsel of the ungodly shows up is an area that uh, Christians that are ignorant of the Bible tend to not really give it as much credence as they ought to, and that is simply the spirit world. Folks, the Bible says that there are all kinds of spirits out there that have voices that are trying to influence. They're speaking in our ears continually. And they are speaking lies, they're speaking deceit, and usually there's always a mixture of truth, just like Satan, just like the serpent at the Garden of Eden, and they're putting these little thoughts in our hearts and minds, and if we are ignorant of the Bible or if we lose sight of the Scripture, then oftentimes we'll say, yeah, that makes sense, and sometimes we'll just start listening a little bit, we'll start thinking, and it'll send us in a direction until we think that we are on the right path, but um, but we have really just listened to the counsel of the ungodly. I'm reminded of 1 Kings chapter 22, where Ahab is getting ready to go to battle. And uh, he's king of the northern kingdom, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. They've all gotten together, and they're getting ready to go to battle and uh, they call in uh, the prophets, and the prophets are all saying, yeah, go and prosper. Uh, basically, the, all of the prophets are telling uh, Jehoshaphat, and especially Ahab, what he wants to hear. And Jehoshaphat, who had God in his life, he's listening to all these prophets, 
And he's, uh, he's kind of like, uh, is there not a man of God besides these? And uh, Ahab says, well, there's Micaiah, um, but um, I hate him. Uh, he never speaks anything good about me. And so they call Micaiah in, and Micaiah tells him, you know, he kind of just patronizes him and says, yeah, go and prosper. And Jehoshaphat speaks up and says, you know, tell us, tell us the truth. And uh, here's what Micaiah had to say in 1 Kings 22 and verse number 18. It says, And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. This is in the spirit world. This is at the throne of God, the invisible world that we cannot see, but it is very, very real. Verse 20, And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said on this manner, and another said on that manner. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? How are you going to do it, he said. And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. You know what we've got going on here, folks? We've got a lying spirit that is speaking to the mouth and into the ears of the preachers, and the preachers are speaking what they are hearing and feeling. And at the bottom of all this is you've got a king who really doesn't want to hear the truth. And the whole point of of bringing this to your attention is the fact that God knows that if we don't want to hear his truth, he's, he's not going to nag us. He's not going to pester us. He's not going to waste his truth. There comes a time when God says, okay, tell them what they want to hear. It, and, and he'll tell them, he'll, he'll, there's plenty of preachers out there that will tell you what you want to hear. But Micaiah stood alone and he didn't tell Ahab or Jehoshaphat what they wanted to hear. He told them the truth. And you know, the bottom line, when they went out to battle, uh, Ahab ended up dead and they lost the battle just like Micaiah, the man of God, said so. And so, folks, we've got to be careful that we don't, we, we make sure that we do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We've got to learn how to refuse it. We've got to learn how to say no. Now, many of you are watching and you have children and, you know, it's so imperative that we raise our children according to the principles of the Word of God. It is so refreshing when you see parents that are raising their children according to Bible principles instead of like everybody else is doing it. One thing that I see extremely lacking in today's parenting culture is the fact that uh, parents have a hard time telling their children no. And uh, children need to be taught how to say no. I know many of the kids from Temple Baptist, you're watching. And you know, young people... You should be thankful if you've got parents that love you enough to tell you no when they ought to tell you no. 
Uh, you know, you will never learn how to say no to yourself until you have properly been told no by your parents. And, and let me say this, that, uh, you know, kids, when we tell them no, kids will despise their parents for maybe five minutes. But you know that they'll love you for 50 years if you tell them no when you ought to tell them no. But if you don't tell them no when you ought to tell them no, they'll love you for five minutes, but then they'll despise you for 50 years. We've got to parent our children for the long term and always do what's best for their character and their integrity, not just for their immediate feelings. And that's something that is so lost in modern culture today. We need to make sure that we deny ourselves that walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Try the spirits. Don't listen to every voice. Don't listen to all of the influences that are everywhere today and make sure that we are being influenced by the Scripture. That brings me to my second point. Number two, stable prosperity comes from choosing to be influenced by God's Word. Look at verse number two once again. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I believe that God's people especially should spend time in the Word of God. God's people especially should be familiar with the Word of God. It should be hidden in our heart that we might not sin against God. Psalm 119 and verse number 11. Now let me say this, and and please don't take this wrong. Uh, Please uh, hear me out. Reading the Bible will not automatically make you a godly person. I can't tell you the amount of people that I have known in my ministry that read their Bible daily like clockwork, but it didn't automatically make them a spirit-filled Christian. Now, let me say this, it can help, and it will help, but it really depends upon your heart. There are Christians that that's their checklist, that's what they do because They don't want anybody to think poorly of them. They want to be able to get their Bible reading certificate. But they read through it and they check it off, but their heart is not really in tune with what it's saying. And that's why the psalmist says, in his law doth he meditate. His delight is in the law of God. You can read the Bible every day. You can read through it in all its entirety, but if you don't delight in it, then it's not going to work in your heart the way that God wants it to. You have to choose your source of truth and then delight in it. You know, I I love the truth of God's Word. And I think one of the reasons is because back in my teenage years, I spent about four, four plus years walking in the counsel of the ungodly, living according to the worldly lusts and desires that were already in my heart that were I was being influenced all around and you know all of those all that direction in my life it did nothing but cause me pain heartache grief guilty conscience emptiness depression all of those things just ultimately ganged up on me and when I got right with the Lord something changed in my heart and and I think that I had a love for the truth because I was sick and tired 
of being lied to. There were so many things that I thought were okay. And I'd, and I'd go, you know, back in the back of my mind, the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 that's not okay. But everybody else was saying it's okay. And I'd go do it. And I'd think, well, how come I feel so horrible even though nobody else seems to be bothered by it? Well, when I got right with the Lord and I started delighting in the Word of God, I started finding out, wow, uh, I, I have been being lied to or perhaps maybe the whole truth hasn't been being taught to me. And so I, I found myself having a love for the truth of God's Word, a delight in it and seeking it rather than trying to, to just kind of brush it aside. Delighting in the Word of God will bring meditation in the Word of God. That's something that's so lacking uh, among believers today. We're so distracted by technology, by all the different things that we can do and we ought to be doing in a busy schedule, that we really don't spend time simply meditating, thinking about the Word of God. Uh, just the other day, my uh, daughter wanted me to help her with a woodworking project, and it's a pretty big project. And um, I, I love to work uh, with wood. I love to work in my workshop. But uh, she showed me this project she wanted me to help her with, and literally for two nights, I, I would be trying to solve all the problem. I'm trying to build this in my mind in my sleep. Um, sometimes I'll do. Uh, sometimes I'll study a sermon on Saturday night all through my sleep, and I'll wake up. The alarm will go off, and I go, "Did I really sleep? Because it just seemed like my mind was going." The entire night. You know what I was doing? I'm, I'm thinking, I'm meditating upon it, and I just can't get my mind to shut off. Wouldn't it be a blessing if we delighted in the Word of God so much that we just couldn't get our mind to shut it off? Uh, that's where we need to be as believers. We need to delight in the Word of God. Thirdly, thirdly, I'd like to say this. Stable prosperity will survive an unstable environment. Look once again at verse number 3. It says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Rivers flood. Rivers dry up at times. There's all kinds of instability around a river. Sometimes the water's muddy. Sometimes it's clear. This tree that's planted by the rivers of water, it's able to survive an unstable environment. Why? Because it has, listen to this, the blessings of God upon it. This whole psalm started out with, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. This is where the blessings of God shine. Folks, the blessings of God is not always something outward or visible. Sometimes it's just simply the root, uh, not the fruit. I mean, when you think about it, this tree, this fruit tree, when we think of the blessings, we think of that fruit. But in reality, the blessings of, uh, and the stability is not the fruit, but rather it's those roots that go deep down into the ground. And sometimes we're looking for outward blessings from God because we did the right thing. But more often than not, the blessings of God are just those roots that give us stability to withstand 
the dry seasons and all of the unstable circumstances that will fill our life. I was talking to um, a brother just uh, recently about the blessings of God, and he talked about how that uh, God blessed him years ago with a broken ankle. You say, a broken ankle was the blessings of God? Uh, absolutely. He said when he was a young man, he was getting ready to make a decision and to go a certain direction in his life. And um, he, he was praying about it, and God blessed him by breaking his ankle, and by that broken ankle, it completely changed the direction in his life. Instead of going the direction he planned on, he ended up going to Bible school and ended up being in the ministry and uh, looks back, and even though, no doubt, and, and I've broken my ankle, and it's not a very uh, pleasant experience, but um, this brother looks back and says, that was the blessings of God in my life. Can you point to some things in your life where God has blessed you in ways that maybe it's just God's way of getting those roots down deep so that we can withstand the unstable environment around us? Folks, our world today, and I mean today, is filled with instability. Uh, we've got uh, concerns about viruses. We've got concerns about the stock market and jobs and elections and finances and toilet paper. All of these uh, are instabilities in our life. And we worry about them and we wonder what's tomorrow going to bring. But the bottom line, Psalm 18 and verse 46 says, The Lord liveth. And blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Folks, God is our rock. He is our stability. And we need to find that stability in Him and not in the circumstances around us. As we conclude the message this morning, I'd like to draw your attention to verse 4 through 6 and, uh, and give you this thought that only time will tell. Verse number four, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Only time will tell. Folks, there is a judgment that is coming for all. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 12, Jesus speaking of the, the judgment to come and, and God the, whole, the heavenly Father says, whose fan is in his hand and he will truly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Do you know the chaff is part of the wheat and doesn't realize it's chaff? until the time of threshing. It enjoys the life of the grain, but then the judgment comes, and that wheat is threshed, and all of the chaff is broken away from the fruit of that grain, and then God says that He'll blow that wind, and all of the chaff will be blown away. This pictures the judgment to come that every single one of us will face. Sometimes we think, well, I'm okay. I'm just like everybody else. But the judgment is going to reveal something very, very different. Stable, eternal prosperity is the only real prosperity. 
I think about what John said in 3 John, verse number 2. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. But he said, Even as thy soul prospereth. Listen, I hope that every one of you listening will prosper and be in health. I hope that no one that I know gets sick with this virus that everybody's worried about. I hope that you don't get the flu. I hope that you don't break your ankle. (laughs) I hope that you will be in prosperity and in health, but only if your soul is prospering. Because there is a judgment to come. And if you are prospering financially, if you are prospering in health, if you are prospering in your relationships in the here and the now, but if you are not saved, or if your heart is not right with God, then there is a judgment coming and only time will tell. What we're looking for is we're looking for stable prosperity that will stand the test of time. The Word of God refers to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the rock. He is the rock. Peter's not the rock. The church isn't the rock. Jesus and Jesus alone is the rock. The rock is an immovable, stable foundation. And I'd like to close with this question, just like the children sing the song about the wise man who built his house upon the sand. The rains came down and the floods came up, and that house did not stand because it was not founded upon a rock. Listen, whatever your prosperity is, if it is not founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a temporary uh, prosperity and it will not stand the test of time or the test of circumstances. Is your life built upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Then and only then can you experience the stable prosperity, the stable success that the psalmist spoke about when he said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and I'd like to just encourage all of you listening to talk to the Lord about what you've heard here today. Perhaps maybe God has spoke to your heart and you realize that you're listening to the wrong voices. You're going in the wrong direction. Listen, you can turn your heart toward the Lord. Fall in love with the Scripture. Don't listen to all of those voices. Shun them. Tell yourself no. Perhaps maybe you're listening and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Oh, listen, friend, He died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins and for your sins and the sins of the entire world. He wants to save you. He wants to give you eternal life and He wants to give you stable prosperity, the type of prosperity that will stand the test of time and circumstance. If you're not saved, as your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, would you talk to God? and ask Him to save you. The Bible says in first, uh, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'll turn from your sins, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what He did on Calvary's cross, and that He rose again from the dead, if you'll call upon Him and ask Him to save you, just pour out your heart to Him. He'll save you, and He'll give you a brand new life. He'll give you eternal life. We're so glad that you joined us here today. Uh, It's been good to be with you, and uh, we look forward to being back in church if we can help you in any way.
then please, please let us know. We hope and pray that your life is built on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless all these that have listened. May the Word of God find a place in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.